This is recording number 10757 from the teaching ministry of Crossroads Community Church in Vallejo, California. This is the fifth message in the Purpose Behind the Passion series by Randy Bolt. It was recorded on Sunday morning, March 30, 2008. This message is titled, Tearing Down the Walls. Take your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, and we're going to find out why I showed you that little um, video clip. It wasn't just to indulge my my Star Wars habit. Now, we're going to conclude today um, the study that we began uh, four weeks ago called uh, The Purpose Behind the Passion. We've been talking about the reasons why Jesus came why he suffered and died and rose again. The mission of the Messiah. The restating of these purposes that are outlined in uh, the prophecy that Jesus read uh, as we have been discussing them over these weeks are that the purpose or mission of the Messiah, the purpose of behind the passion was to pay the debt, to restore what had been lost, to unlock the shackles, to lift the darkness. And today we're going to conclude by talking about how the reason, one of the reasons, one of the five reasons that Jesus came, suffered, died, and rose again was to tear down the walls. I had you see that video clip with me this morning because I don't know anything that more graphically illustrates what's being talked about here when it says that Jesus came to set at liberty those who are oppressed. We heard the, the actor read that phrase and we have restated it, tearing down the walls. The reason I have restated it, tearing down the walls, when it says in the scripture to, uh, to set at liberty those who are oppressed is because that word oppressed means crushed. Crushed. So Jesus when he, on that day in the, in the synagogue in Nazareth, said, I have come, I am the Messiah, and I have come to set at liberty, to free those who are being, their life is being squeezed out of them. They are being crushed. I have come to set free those who are finding themselves in a smaller and smaller place in their life. And a lot of us know what that feels like. Where it seems as though, it's slowly, but it seems as though our world, my world, is getting smaller and smaller and tighter and tighter. Something is squeezing the life out of me. Another way to talk about it is, you've all heard the expression, the elephant in the room. How many of you have heard that? I'm the only one? Seriously, you have never heard this before. All right, some of you have. They talk about the elephant in the room. That means that you're, you're with people and there's an obvious thing that needs to be discussed, but we don't. We don't talk about it. We don't talk about the elephant in the room. We ignore it. We pretend it isn't there, but we all know that it's there. And a lot of us here this morning, a lot of us right here this morning have an elephant in the room. And it's sucking the oxygen out of our lives. And squeezing us into a smaller and smaller and smaller place. But we don't talk about it. We don't think about it. We don't deal with it. 
And there are a lot of reasons for that. We're going to talk about some of them today. But many of us in the room this morning know what that feels like, that scene from Star Wars where they're, they think they're going to just uh, be, uh, as, as Han Solo says, a lot thinner. Um, but Jesus came to set at liberty those who are being crushed. Now, the elephant in the room in your life, and by the way, I'll, let me just admit up front here that this may not apply. In fact, I'm pretty sure it doesn't apply to all of us. There are sometimes when I, you know, when we're teaching from the scriptures that uh, there's an application that just is so broad it covers all of us. I don't think that's the case today. I think that there are some of us, however, that know exactly what I'm talking about when I talk about the elephant in the room in your life. And that elephant in the room, that which is squeezing you into a smaller and smaller place, can be a lot of things. It can be habits. It can be um, uh, tendencies that... Uh, have been shaped by your environment, ways that you respond to people and things that, that are unhealthy. You may be a person who carries an anger with you. And that anger is the elephant in the room. It's always there. Everybody else knows it. But you carry on because you don't know what to do with it and, and you don't know how to address it. So it just, it's just always there, that anger it erupts in places that are inappropriate and, and is hurting your life. And yet you don't know what to do about it. And so you just carry on with the elephant in the room. For some of you, it's unforgiveness. There's someone has, who has deeply, deeply hurt or offended or wronged you. And you cannot escape that elephant in the room. It just haunts your life. It can be substance abuse. It can be a lot of different things. The elephant in the room. The thing that you don't know what to do about. So you just carry on. But it doesn't go away. And it keeps making your life smaller and smaller. Tighter and tighter. Squeezed more and more. And you feel crushed by it. If that's the case for you today. I want you to hear that Jesus came to set at liberty those who are crushed. Not to give you five steps to deal with it. He came to set at liberty those who are crushed. But really, you know, it's not so much about what it is exactly that is that elephant in the room for you. It's really more about how you respond to it. And I think that this is not uh, a, a complete list, but I think there are at least four poor ways... To, to respond to the elephant in the room in one right way. I want to talk about those things today, and then we'll go home. One of the poor ways, one of the faulty ways of dealing with the elephant of the room or responding to the elephant in the room uh, has to do with the word pride. <clears throat> pride. See, pride says... There is no wall. There is no wall. There's nothing. Nothing is squeezing me. What are you talking about? It's kind of, it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like well, this is another story, but it's kind of like, see, I, 
Uh, when I, I was in my early 20s, um, I, was, I was starting to lose my hair, right? And, uh, but I would not admit that to myself. <laughs> what do you mean? Now, I, and most people, it's like the elephant in the room, sort of. Nobody else would say anything to me. You know, it's not like you wake up and say, oh, you're going bald, are you? You know, it's, it's not like you, you do that to people. But I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even look, at it, you know, look at it. It was there, but I wouldn't deal with it. Uh, until one guy was bold enough, one of my dear friends said, you know, I think you're, I think you're losing your hair, buddy. <laughs> and, uh, and I said, oh, no, I just have a high forehead, you know. <laughs> but there is a way of responding to the elephant in the room. There's a way of responding to the walls that are squeezing you and you know it you know it and yet you won't let yourself know it it's a pride there is no wall there's no wall what are you talking about another uh, poor way another faulty way of responding to the elephant in the room or the walls that are closing in on you is doubt because doubt says, there's nothing beyond the wall. This is what life is. What do you mean? Why bother? Why, why get all upset about it? This is life. Everybody gets angry. Everybody has their vices. It's no big deal. What are you talking about? There's nothing beyond. This is what it is. This is there's nothing beyond the wall. This is all there is. I'm just like everybody else. So we excuse ourselves. A third uh, choice in how we respond to the elephant in the room or the, the walls that are closing in that is inappropriate is fear. And fear says, I'm afraid of what's beyond the wall, so I'll just stay in my little mess. Because I don't know what's over there. If I give this up, what will my life be like? If I don't, you know, if I don't have this little escape, if I don't have this crush, crut, crutch, <laughs> if I don't hold on to my uh, unforgiveness and bitterness, then who's going to enforce uh, the, 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 the issue with the person who's wronged me. If I, if I forgave them, then what? They just get to go scot-free? And we don't realize that you know, our unforgiveness is the only person that it's really affecting is me, and it's closing my life into a smaller and smaller place. But we tell ourselves, I'm afraid of what's... I don't know what's beyond the wall, so I'll just... And the fourth uh, problematic way of dealing with or responding to the wall or the, the elephant in the room is self-pity. And this is probably the worst of all, self-pity. Self-pity says the wall is all there is. In other words, this is me. This is me. And I'll tell you a quick story. When I... I <clears throat> Uh, 
growing up, our, our family was not uh, poor, but we weren't wealthy either. Um, and I had four brothers, and uh, so I remember that um, when my mom would come home from the, with the grocery, from the grocery store with the week's groceries, it was like every man for himself. <laughs> and you just tried to get all you could get uh, before it was gone. And uh, so there was kind of this mentality of, I, you know, I, don't, I never have enough. Never have enough. Now, again, we were not poor by any means. And my parents always made sure we had enough. But, you, but somehow I got this idea that, you know, I, I, I would never really be satisfied. Kind of twisted. And then... I, uh, I found the Lord and gave my life to Him and felt the Lord calling me into ministry. And I began down this path that, uh, you know, of a, a, a vocation or a life of, of serving the Lord in, in, in ministry. And I just understood or, or, or taught, told myself that, you know, ministers, they don't make any money anyway, so we'll always be sort of poor. You know, we'll always be. In fact, I remember when I asked my father in law if I could marry his daughter. He told me no because he didn't want his, his daughter growing up in a grass hut with no shoes, you know. <laughs> that was his mentality of, of ministers or what, his idea of what, what the life of a minister, minister was like. But, you know, some of that was in me. Some of that was in me. And um, so I, 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 I always uh, told myself, well, you don't have any money to give. You need to receive from others, but you don't have any money to give to anyone. I told myself, you can never expect to own a home or, or any of those kinds of things. And you know what? It began to be like a wall that was squeezing me into a smaller and smaller place. And I would never really look at it or deal with it, even though this elephant in the room was sucking the life out of me and was going to pollute my family too and my children and one day I started it did sort of dawn on me that I had slipped into this self-pity thing now I, I it was odd because it wasn't like um, I went around oh woe is me I'm the poor preacher but part of me had bought that lie and I began to think of myself as the same as the elephant in the room. The wall is all there is. That's me. I am an alcoholic. I am a rageaholic. I am a workaholic. You know, I should get off the aholic part of it, but who you are becomes absorbed in this thing. You really do become so squeezed by that, by those walls that are crushing you. The wall is all there is. And I remember, you know, thank God, one day I just realized, wait a minute. That's not true. I mean, it isn't, it's certainly not about money. But it also isn't about poverty either. And I had allowed that lie to define me. 
And that day I cried out to God and I said, God, I have believed a lie about myself and about how you think about me and about the way that you treat me. I have believed a lie and it squeezed me into a very small place. Free me. Free me. And thank God he did. He did. He broke that bondage and I was freed. Now there was some stuff I had to work out. There was some things I had to I had to change, but, but I was free to do so. I was free to begin to think differently. To have expectations about how God could bless me so that I could bless other people. And I, I began to talk differently to my children. I began to pray for them about their expectations in life. That they wouldn't come under that same, they wouldn't be squeezed into that same place. And I'm going to, now I'm going to cut out a whole lot of this story and, and cut to a, a time about, I don't know, maybe four or five years ago, when my daughter, I guess about four years ago, my oldest daughter gave me a call, and most of you know that she is a, a hairdresser and um, owns a, a hair salon. Well, before she went into business for herself, she worked for uh, another, guy, another man who owned a, a couple of salons, and, and he was very... Um, I guess, really, I shouldn't blame him. It was kind of like the whole business, and the whole... Uh, you know that whole um, area of of of, of our uh, economy tends to um, use people in a in a in a pretty uh, really a terrible way. So my daughter, who worked for this guy, and the other women who worked for him, he hardly paid them anything, and demanded so much from them, and it was a constant struggle, and she was constantly struggling just to survive financially. But one day, about, uh, you know, they just decided that, uh, you know, enough is enough. And she and another uh, woman, they uh, took their credit cards and rented a, a, a space about mm, half a mile from the place where they had worked. <laughs> they rented this, this little, uh, you know, uh, storefront uh, and bought some, um, a little bit of equipment, made the rest of it, put a sign on the door and, and went to work. So about one year after that, she, she gives me this call. She says, Dad, I, I hope you don't uh, think badly of me, but I'm celebrating today. I put my former employer out of business. In the last year, he lost $100,000 of business to me. And you know my daughter. She's not, you know, she's not one of these. It's not about the money. And it really, it wasn't about getting back at him either. It was about the blessing of God on her life that she had anticipated. She had come out from under that place that I had kind of put us all into where our anticipations of the blessing of God were very, very small and getting smaller to a place where we began to anticipate God doing bigger things, greater things. So God took me out of that place of self-pity where the wall is all there is, to a place where I could expect greater things from him. I hope that makes sense. There is a right way to respond to the elephant in the room or the walls that are closing in on you, and it's this confession. 
confession. I'm trapped behind this wall and I want to be free. That's what confession says. I'm trapped behind this wall and I want to be free. I'm going to stop ignoring the elephant in the room. I'm going to stop allowing the walls to continue to press in on and crush me. I'm trapped behind this wall and I want to be free. John chapter 8 verse 36 says it very simply. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. That day in the synagogue in Nazareth, our Savior Jesus stood up and said, I have come to set at liberty those who are being crushed.